welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we have Jeff on the show, who's a former Canadian JTF2 combat sniper and is currently a documentary film producer and the chief course architect of the Special Forces Experiences Experience and Art of Adversity. As a former Tier 1 Special Forces soldier, Jeff has refocused his form of service to dedicate his life to exploring PTSD and how we can turn life's adversities into opportunities for new life and personal growth. And just a flat out awesome, awesome human. I mean, I had the, for listeners, I had the pleasure of meeting Jeff locally here where I live in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada for uh, a preview of a, a screening of a, of a film that they're working on around the topics I just mentioned. Um, obviously, I'm a bit biased given this show, but a huge supporter of what this crew is doing and just an honor to have you, Jeff. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. I'd like to just convey my gratitude for for you having me on. People need to understand all the work that goes in on your angle and how much it helps folks like me get my messaging out. So I really appreciate those kind words. Uh, thank you. Received on this side. So we will get into, I imagine, a lot of really interesting topics and your backstory, of course. But I do start the show with the same question for everyone, and that's kind of to avoid job titles. And that's just a who are you question. Who are you, Jeff? You know, as we sit here today, because I know that evolves. <laughs> yes, I'm an ever evolving creature, you know, cellularly, atomically, neuronally, um, always in flux. And then some things remain the same. I kind of have gravitated towards the question of what am I more than who Ooh, am I? I like that. It's simple. Um, I find it a little easier to answer because who am I is so subject. So, um, it's at the the mercy of my emotions and my impulses. And even though they're my emotions and impulses, they're usually a product of my environment. Uh, what I am is a product of the universe. And you can call that God, you can call it source, you can call it good old physical universe and that's nothing more if you don't like to put any kind of esoteric spin on it. And the more I sat with that, the more I sunk into that's what I am. I'm a part of this entire system. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden wasn't that who I was became less important. It was like, well, who do I want to be in order to nurture that? Because I am part of this vast ordering system, this complex gathering we call the universe, life, planet Earth, you and me, you know? So yeah. I, I would start there. But in general, I'm, uh, yeah, like you said, I'm a retired SF dude. I'm a lifelong seeker. And now I'm bringing my version of, what it means to transmute our, what we'll just kind of conversationally call traumas into treasured gold. Sure. And yeah. the, the overarching message of it is, you know, there's 8 billion of us on earth or so. And if an 8 billion of us transmute just one pattern, one traumatic pattern, that's 8 billion patterns our kids and the future generations don't have to sort out. Um, it's it's mm. the evolutionary nature of trauma. You know, it's why it serves us. We actually can learn from it. That's why it's so conversational. Yeah. You know, it really fits into the motif of human story of risk and reward. And um, right now we're, we're at this like hyper aware phase. And uh, now we need, you know, people like you, me, and, and many of the other, you know, folks on the vanguard to say, well, how, what's the actual, not solution as if it will end, you know, exist in perpetuity, but what do yeah. we do with all this awareness? You know, so I yeah. would say that, you know, and then if I actually, you know what, Mark, to just sum it up, uh, sure. I'm someone who wants to bring more love than fear into the world. And, um, Ooh. that may sound simple, but it's, it's really actually not. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's a, that's a loaded statement, but one that I definitely, and, and many of the listeners here, I imagine support there's uh, and it totally resonate with there's, there's a lot more awareness out there. There's a lot more, what would be the right way to describe it? You know, willingness to be vulnerable uh, in public and have, you know, tough conversations that were held behind kind of closed doors in the past. But I, and I know we, we connected on this when we first met, but 
I'm seeing this and I know you're seeing this as well. There's, there's just this longing for, well, well now what? Like, like what, what are the tools? Like, what, what, what can we do, right? And there's just like, you know, physical fitness, there are a million different things you can do for your mind as well. And it's just, I, I think, banding together because uh, it is, seems to be a pretty small world in terms of the, the, the people and organizations and groups that are trying to bring some of these tools to light. So I think it's just sticking together and, and, and doing what we can day in and day out, um, which I know a lot of your work centers around. So I do want to get into that, but I, I feel like we need to set you know a bit of tone in terms of how, how you even got to a place where you started asking, what am I? You know, who was Jeff before, uh, you know, when you, when you enrolled and, and became, you know, you're part of the, the military and whatnot, like, what was that life like for you? How did it all come to be? Yeah. Um, a little bit of my origin story as it were, uh, you know, I was yeah. uh, a Northern, Northern Ontario, Northern Canadian boy through and through. I loved nature. I was very connected to nature and at a very young age, I was, I was six years old. I had my first, basically, a panic attack about the ozone layer depleting. And I, I had this, like, this calling to do something about that. And, I, and I've done stuff about it throughout my life. I have some pretty interesting stuff out there, some patents on some, you know, engines that don't use fossil fuels and things like this that I just haven't been able to bring fruition. But because as I've gone along, I've realized what really the root of all our issues is. And how I came to that was exploring life, exploring nature, coming up against it. And sometimes it was, it was not so great, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Sometimes it was, um, you know, being arrested. Sometimes it was being misaligned from the normal narrative and then misaligned from myself and it took me a long time okay. to figure out, okay, those two things are not going to really overlap too much, you know? And as most people to figure that out, I, I went to college, I took a few things in college, I, I did my pilot's license. Uh, I was always exploring. I really liked working with my hands. And then I joined the military, which uh, was for most people who knew me is, was counterintuitive, but also a hundred percent where I should be because okay. I was not much for authority. I'm still there. There's not too much authority out there that has my respect yet, if I'm being quite frank. Uh, but I, you know, I respect other people, other humans. I value my life. I value other human life. And then, yeah, I went to the military. I uh, was in the infantry, deployed with the infantry. I'm a combat veteran there. Uh, I had a very fortunate uh, tour as an infantier where I didn't okay. lose any limbs, you know, people in my platoon were very close to me, but we also got to do our job. What well, we trained years, years, years of training to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking some of the morals out of this, this conversation of sure. the job, you know, I've since changed how I view that. And then a few years into that, I went to our uh, tier one special forces, went through the selection, went through the assaulters course, which was very vigorous. And then I became exposed to a, an upper, um, not a, I don't want to say upper echelon organization as in sits above. What I mean by mm -hmm. that is culture, performance, respect, you know, showing up every day. We used to have a saying, selection never ends. And being part of an organization like that, that also has, you know, government funding, really well funded, created an environment to catalyze my evolution, for me to explore human dynamics, to, to understand what conditioning means, what behavior means, to modify behavior, and just how much the, the limits of what a human can do um, and I now also can't do. So I would say that's yeah. kind of like the first little step. And then uh, after I left the military, well, hold I on. Started, I have to oh, ask yeah, you a yeah, few questions ahead. there, Jeff. Yeah, because well, first the you know the again the fact that or the fact that you said you mentioned that you, you know authority is is something that uh, you know something you don't do super well with. Let's say, and I you know I think of the military. I think of that's the exact opposite, right? And it seems like you really thrived in the military. So 
what what shifted there for you or, or where did you find kind of your your footing with that 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 authority or that discipline and so forth like where where do you stand with on that topic right now yeah um <laughs> It took a little while, you know. I talked about conditioning. Okay. Uh, that, that was the pleasant, the, pl- the polite word I used. Uh, no, yeah. I just I, I sunk into it, and I I knew this is where I had to be. It was really the first time in my life where I made a decision to fully be on a path, not okay. really knowing where the path was fully going to go, but it was my path, and it felt right. I talked about kind of societal alignment and my alignment, and this was as close as I had ever been in my life. So I, I surrendered to the process and I knew, okay. um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I really had this tendency to want to hone the warrior aspect of myself, not just like the, the very little about the actual violence of it, but the ability to sit in chaos and fear. Yeah. That, that's how I best describe it because a lot of people love to live in the delusion and the illusion that the world isn't actually in chaos, but we're humming through space at the speed of light on this whirling rock. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we, we do live in chaos. Uh, so I wanted to learn how to master that. Yeah. Well, I have to ask a bit about that because I, that, that was one question that was, was coming up as I was, you know, researching your background and whatnot, because a, a lot of the, the, the work that we do on this show and the topic uh, around mental fitness comes you know, centers around the whole notion of of training our mind to work for us instead of against us. And if I think of what I'm reading about some of your backstory and just in general, this is coming from someone that has not been in the military. So, you know, take that obviously uh, in context. But I suspect, especially as someone at, at the end, it seems like you're uh, in, in a sniper unit, like where you have to make split split second decisions and you're in you know, environments of life and death, which I would say is probably some chaos and fear in there. Like, how did you condition your mind to make those clear decisions? And and, and I wonder how that has translated into even the work that you're doing now or in other areas of your life. Yeah, well, um, there's a very simple saying, takes 10 years to get 10 years of experience, right? So over time, over those years, you, you're slowly tamped into a new mold. You're tamped into a new mold. Uh, when you get to the SF, it's a little different than the normal army where you're less of a mold and they want you to be more of an individual because your creative resources are actually some of the most powerful tools that you have. Mm-hmm. So you bring up yeah. these states of, of chaos where we work off something called principles instead of drills. Drills are where you repeat something over and over and they become second nature, right? They crystallize patterns in your brain that are very quick access, whether you're in fight or flight or not. Keeping things at the principal level is a little bit more difficult. It allows for more fluidity, but it also keep you need to you need to have a bit of a more what we'll call resilient mind. And what I mean by that is you're able to stay conscious through great pressure. And that mm. takes time. It takes time to build because it shifts your epigenetics. It, it shifts how you metabolize cortisol. It, it shifts how your brain processes the wavelengths that it'll move in and out of. And that, that just takes time. That takes uh, appropriate training. It takes mindset. Uh, it takes effort yeah. and conscientiousness. You know, none of these things are shortcutable. Um, we, yeah, we, do, yeah, yeah. We, we do come into the world with our own stack of cards to start with, uh, but you know, you have to, you have to train these abilities. And the only really way to do that fully is to put yourself in experiences that are true chaos, which most people don't do. Most people don't put themselves in the, into true unknown, right? The unknown where our nervous system has never been, where our mind has never been. And that's where you learn kind of stress adaption patterns, because in that environment, you'll stress yourself and then you come out of it, decompress and you, you uh, rebuild these patterns. And that's one of the keys that people forget this day and age is the decompression phase. Um, It's, it's a lost art. Our nervous system needs, you know, there's no real math or science on it fully right now, but it needs just as much time of decompression as it does compression. And if you get that right, and when I say decompression, that means, you know, your Maslowian needs very much so sleep, you know, getting into yeah, REM sleep. Rest so you're, and recovery. Yeah, rest and recovery, you know. Um, and and that's that's like the that's how you build build the hero for the hero's journey. Yeah. 
Well, I have to ask, like, so this will probably lead into some, I imagine, into some of the work you're doing with the special forces uh, experience, because I know that, you know, puts people into those high pressure situations. But just like with physical fitness, you know, if you're signed up for a marathon or an Ironman of some sort, there's a whole bunch of training up front, right, to prepare in, in these, those cases, the mind and body. And I'm, I'm curious for you in your, in your career, were there any mental fitness style kind of tools that helped you condition your mind or train your mind to be, you know, in, in a state of, of, well, consciousness and, 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 and presence that allowed you to, you know, perform in those kind of environments? Like what, what were some of those, those tools that helped and that I imagine some of those things probably still uh, are still within your routine and your rituals, but um, yeah, is there anything that stands out? Yeah. Well, the, you know, I'll back up before we get into the routines of it. It's very, very important to understand why you're doing something. So most people don't fully understand the driving force behind what they're doing. And when they get to the finish line, they're kind of like, oh, now what? What am I doing? You know, because they haven't understood why they're being yeah. pressured. Is it from a place of inadequacy? Uh, is it a place from pressure from your parents? Is it part of your path, your alignment, your greater good? Is it for the greater good of the world around you? And having that why uh, is very important. And here's why. <laughs> As the faculties of your body and <laughs> yeah. brain shut down. One of the last points points that stays kind of conscious is, you know, your prefrontal area. The, the these port these points where why sits, you know, it crystallizes through your brain. But as I take away, you know, you mentioned the special forces experience, but as I take away your ability to move, like I destroy it through fatigue and exhaustion and calculated priming. As I take away your yeah. literal ability to move. And then I take away your, you know, your, your eyes, the, all your senses. There's this one little nugget that exists in your cranium that stays and it's your why. And it's, it's the driving force that sits behind all of us. Now we don't usually enter into things knowing exactly what it is, but very few people actually sit down and try to calculate it. So figure it out a little bit before you get into something to make sure it's the right thing for you. Now, um, don't let fear turn you around because uh, this is very important because you're going to have to plunge yourself into fear, into those states, those lower consciousness states um, in order to, you don't want to become rigid, but in order to build that, like I said, resilience, that ability to stay strong in high stress situations. Now I could rhyme off some of the lists once you're, you're as you're prepping to go through it because uh, for me, post-traumatic growth, any kind of growth adaption cycle, uh, I call it post-traumatic growth in essence, is there's a baseline, yeah. which means before you go into the event, the event, and then post-event. Now, throughout, yeah. you'll use some of the similar things, right? Like uh, meditation and breath work. You know, breath is, people really don't understand the the power of one single exhale of going when the pressure's on and really getting like letting your system get just yeah. parasympathetic for a second as, as like your adrenaline system kicks in and your eyes start to close in and your ability to move, like you become rigid and stiff neck because you're ready to fight. Uh, one simple exhale can open up your mind again. And that's where you can have a little bit more solution. So, you know, anything that nurtures that yeah. kind of behavior, like, like we already touched on, any Maslowian need, uh, meditation, journaling, stream of consciousness journaling, um, very important. Um, physical fitness, you know, physical fitness um, shouldn't be, I don't think it should necessarily be a vanity metrics ever, you know, because then it's like, ask yourself why you're doing it. Are you feeling inadequate, you know, and most people who get yeah, like on yeah. the beans and juice, they're like, ah, I still don't feel good about myself. Well, yeah, it's because you didn't really look into it. Um, but it's very important. Physical fitness is one of the easiest hacks to keeping your mind sharp, keeping it able to handle pressure because your heart, you know, as it goes up and beats, it starts to calibrate with your brain and brings to send your brain into like a constricted state. So yeah, training like that, high heart rate. Um, but again, there's crossover. So we would do hey-ho or halo skydiving as an insertion method, but it's also something that plunges you into fear. So if you're yeah. used to working in fear here, you'll be a little more likely to work in fear here, you know, and it works kind of like that. 
Um, so things that do that around the scope of whatever it is you are doing. Um, yeah. It's like experience stacking fear in a way, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and what, like I, I would caution people with that is, um, don't just get hooked up on the fear aspect. So when I say fear, I mean, we're moving our mental faculties more limbic. When I say fear, we're, we're dripping hormones more like cortisol and adrenaline and things like that. When I say fear, we're, we're constricting our nervous system and stressing it. Um, yeah. Also, though, that moves us into fear-based thinking, you know, apathy, shame, guilt, um, desire, pride, things of that nature. And it's okay to be there sometimes. But a lot of people forget that there's this other side, this entire other hormonal mental bank we have, which is called love. Neutrality, acceptance, peace, joy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the road yeah. to enlightenment. And it's just as stressful. Um, but pe- we've forgotten yeah, right <laughs> now as a species uh, that, you know, like a lot of people, like when you lose a great love in your life, it's an amazing teacher. Um, it, it'll, you know, you should be learning things very quick. So to factor that in, um, because operating from a place of fear all the time is just going to produce more fear. And yeah. yeah, understanding that, that operation, uh, you know, we, there's all kinds of little, um, tactical things one can do, but really understanding why you're doing something allows you to tailor your, your growth adaption pattern to whatever it is you're trying to do. And most people don't exist in one single silo, right? Like very few people are training to be like an Olympic swimmer per se, where they just focus on one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're humans living children and work and a whole bunch of things. So yeah, I, I think that why that's usually, uh, in yeah. our, uh, in the special force experience, it's the last thing to go. And that's what we do is we, we force them to question that why, because it'll backtrack into what they value. And you'll see very quickly if okay. what you value and honor isn't actually what you value and honor, it makes a very easily erodible version of yourself. Very easy to defeat. Um, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that's super helpful. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for, uh, allowing me to pull that thread a little bit. I mean, one of the big objectives of the show is, as well is to not necessarily, I, I never want to try to pers- have a prescription to mental fitness or these tools and, but more so have uh, people like yourself and other guests just share what works for you. Right. And then, and then someone on the other side and myself included, that's how I got into breath work was someone originally mentioned it on the show. I'm like, Oh, interesting. I, I want to try that. And then now, you know, I stack it in with my journaling, you know, with, with on the holds, I've got some prompts that, that all reflect on, on the breath holds based on whatever's going on kind of thing. So it's just to provide ideas and, you know, things to try out and play around with. But I love, love the idea of like pulling it back even further and just, again, questioning that why because that's applicable in every situation right that that's what's what's really beautiful about what, how you're um how you've been trained and what, what and what you value in, in this whole flow yeah if i just could add a little mark before you uh, yeah um what it does is it keeps what you know i hear what i think i hear you saying is it keeps curiosity high and curiosity is a good sign to, that the mind is open so mm. As stress comes in on us, which it will in life, and it's going to ebb and flow, and that's okay. That's a good thing. It closes down open node thinking. Open node thinking is the ability to think creatively, to think openly, to come up with new solutions and patterns. Now, that's why we skill and drill things though, right? As those close in, then we have the things that we yeah. run on, run on, but we want to really make sure those are our things that we run on. And, and that's just an important um, indicator of where someone's stress is. Um, people can get very egoic, you know, and run from a, a routine place. And that's a sign that either you're stressing yourself and that's where you want to be, or maybe it's time to step back and allow a new pattern to set in. Um, very, very important is that decompression. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. 
As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. Well, let's let's stick on that topic because I, I imagine there's some links here to what you've been a part of and, and created the Special Forces experience. How did how did that? Why don't you just explain a little bit to the listeners, like what what that's all about, and and how did it come to be? Like, where does it fit in your story and your how your your story unfolds? Yeah. Uh, so when I left the SF, uh, I spent the better part of a decade there. And I was um, at a little bit of a loss for what I was going to do to fill my soul. So I, I started investing in real estate and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't filling my soul. It was just kind of like societal alignment that helped keep you know the lights on. And um, my wife at the time, she's like, well, you should start a man camp. And I, and I kind of like did the old <laughs> spit out my water. Like I'm not doing no ax throwing marshmallow s'more in man camp. You know, um, <laughs> I just got out of a tier one unit, but I didn't fully understand what she was saying. And as I looked at it more and more, I realized what she was really saying. You know, there's this kind of agitation. There's this, um, turmoil that's happening in men right now. And it, and that's, that's a good thing because that's a sign that we're about to evolve and we are evolving. You know, the yeah. environment has pressured us agitated us and we are going to adapt to it. We're going to complexify. And we started probing around. We were kind of asking, well, what do men want? What is the modern man doing? What's lacking? What's, you know, this, what's that? Um, and some things became apparent, things like connection, you know, um, things where, where do I use my traditional man attributes in a healthy way? Because uh, most men don't want to be labeled as toxic masculine. You know, uh, I think people are a little bit uh, cavalier with that word and usually they should look at themselves before they throw it around. But, you know, most guys don't want to show up like that. So what does that look like? And then I started to marry that up with, uh, with the training I had been through the, the, the behavioral modifications and asking, well, how can I set it up to create an arena where I don't dictate the change? You know, I I probably should never say, Mark, this is how you should be. You know, that, that'd be yeah. pretty, uh, there's a lot of hubris in that statement. One, it's an absolute. Two, I'm not you, you know, and, and your life, you're so complex. So how do I create an arena that allows people to flow through this? And with the special forces experience, so, you know, it's basically a four-part, four-phase endeavor where there's some pre-work they go through, which does include physical fitness training, includes things like fasting, you know, um, breath work, um, but deep diving into yourself. What do you value? What are your whys? What, like organizing your life and your mind because a lot of people don't take the time to really organize their mind. They just kind of play out the patterns they were in, that they were given. And, um, you know, some skill building stuff in there because what we're doing is we're, we begin testing their, their, their neural anatomy, you know, making sure what is potentially an overwhelm, what is not functioning, what's crystallizing, what parts of their brain are they using, not using, um, and that includes a lot of things too to make it healthier, right? Looking at your relationships, uh, your financials, all that kind of jazz. And then uh, they come out, and uh, well, it starts with a—I I forgot to mention—it starts with a, like a, a screening, a selection, an in-person one-hour interview that gives us a pretty good idea of a few things: someone's level of consciousness, where they kind of sit, and you know, are they in a position where they're they can they can actually grow from this? Because some people are so locked away and overwhelmed that they they need to do a little bit mm. of work before they come to something like this. And then they come out yeah. and then it's a, an eight-day in-person event, which uh, has a far, far higher non-pass rate than summits to Everest. Um, it's it's lower than most uh, SF um, units out there. It's it's sub 10%. But that that's, that's actually good because... Most people don't reach their walls in life. You know, I can find myself guilty of that at times where it's like, I, I get comfortable and I don't push it to the limit. Um, and you don't have to do it every day. Well, we're surrounded day. by that comfort. We're Everywhere. surrounded by it, right? We're inundated yeah. by it. It's part of the system we created. And 
Once again, our systems have become our shackles. So it gives people that wall to come up against. And the closer they come up to a real wall, the more chance there is to backfill it with what they value. I know that seems counterintuitive. It's using fear and stress to set the conditions to open up the mind. So we alter their state of consciousness without using plant medicines or anything like that uh, through extreme, extreme behaviors. And, you know, there's all kinds of learning through osmosis. They're on groups. There's still skill building stuff. You know, it's very much like guns and camping and whatnot, but just done in a really... Uh, where everything has purpose behind it so that that person can learn something about themselves. They can learn a skill and then we can observe and then feed that back into the system. And then afterwards, there's a decompression phase. And there's a few other things I do in there that are proprietary that I I don't really share, um, but they're all designed to help someone have a bit of a reboot, not a full like mental shutdown. Some people do actually do big 180s in their lives. Um, But the idea is to take someone in just one degree, right? By the time you reach 35, one degree shift in your life is massive. It's a massive trajectory change. Um, And that's kind of the essence of it. And uh, we've had extremely great luck. And it revolves around this concept called post-traumatic growth. You know, stressing. Yeah. Yeah. The growth that can happen after stress. And um, that's just led into a whole bunch of different things in my life. Yeah, well, we're I'm I'm gonna pull on that one because it, when I first met you, which was which was the screening of uh, the Dark Knight of the Soul, the documentary related around that term of post traumatic growth. This is the first time I'd I'd heard that that term, um, so I definitely want to ask some questions about that. But one final one on on the experience you just mentioned, I'm curious, you know, with the with the failure rate, would you say? I mean, I don't need absolute numbers, obviously, but out of the out of all the people that that do hit that wall and have to you know throw up the flag what would you what would you say the split is in terms of physically having to stop versus mentally having to stop <laughs> okay uh not to play the correction game but I'll, I'll just change the language instead of failure rate i i like to say non-pass because to me the only sure. failure that comes from it mark is if someone doesn't learn something and that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you has, for that correction. You, well, it's only just to honor the the men who have gone through it and their their their, yeah. their, their contribution to my life, but also their suffering. Um, yeah, and that, as far as failures go, there's only been two examples, and they are both highly egoic people who um, were less than ideal in terms of being ready to change, but also like close enough to to give it a roll of the bones. Now, the non-pass rate. I would say that out of all the people who pulled out thinking it was physical, all of them have realized that it was mental. Um, What's really kind of cool about the human body is the psychosomatics of it and how you can convince yourself of an injury. You can convince yourself of being sore, but it's really amazing to watch someone with a leg injury as soon as they quit all of a sudden start walking okay or a shoulder injury and oh, wait, my arm's okay now. Um, you know, it's just like being a little kid. My tummy hurts. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go do that. We we really have that. And that is where resilience is. Staying conscious enough to not allow these things to sink in. Now, that can go too far. You know, some people, yeah. uh, I did meet one person who came out. He was an ultra marathon runner. And he had the ability to push his body beyond his mental faculties, which is actually rarer than you think. Um, and he ended up in the hospital for four days with yeah. ex- like one of the worst cases of rhabdo um, on recorded history. You know, he had some some. Um, What's rhabdo? Rhabdo, my um, is basically uh, your your protein levels and creatine levels and stuff. Your CK levels start going, I think, too high, and your body starts eating its own meat and essence to get okay. energy. Um, but it's uh, it locks you up. Oh, I, I'm not a rhabdo pro, like but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, we, we call it the T-Rex arms. Yeah, 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 but in general, not good. No, it's not oh, good. Wow. What, what's really interesting about it is how much your mental state starts to shut down. You know, you're basically uh, yeah. uh, drooling on yourself and, you know, there's the people with the big wide eyes and um, there's a lot of confusion with it. It's it's not, it's like, uh, it's last ditch. You know, there's there's levels of it. 
you know, there's people who get CK levels of like 50,000 after like a really hard CrossFit workout, but his was up in like this almost 800,000. And, you know, there's a very big difference there. It's like a survival state for your body. It's last ditch attempt to be like, I'm going to try to get out of this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, let's, well, we're, what, what just, sorry, I'm so fascinated by this experience because I know, you know, like I said earlier, I know one person that's gone through it and, and, and I can see, you know, there's, there's a reason why you don't speak about all of the processes. I mean, it, that is the part of the process, right? Obviously. And, and like, if, if everyone knew what was happening and you can anticipate what, what's coming up and whatnot, I think it would probably take away from the magic of what you guys have created, right? Um, but at the same time, it's, it's it's probably beautifully crafted in this way, fires up all sorts of curiosity for me. So, and I imagine for listeners as well. So where can people find out more about, about that experience and like, how often are you doing that? Like, yeah, yeah. The, um, I, yeah. I'd just like to add one of the reasons, um, kind of fight club rules, right? We don't talk about fight club. It's to honor the men yeah. who've gone through the experience who were, um, courageous enough to step in the arena. And I don't just mean physically step in the arena. I mean, to step in and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to maybe change. I might not, but I'm going to look at it for real. And, uh, that's very yeah. big. Yes. Uh, anticipation is a big part of it. You know, to craft the unknown, you can't know about it. Um, I, I get it. It looks like a shiny sales tactic too. You know, it's like, Oh, what's in there? You know, yeah, yeah. but, it, but I sure. really try to honor that too, you know, because, um, I just understand that, but anyhow, in, in truth, we're running our last serial of the process this fall. Um, that's the special oh, wow, okay. experience. And yeah, the reason for that is we've myself, um, I've always really loved things that only certain people get to touch, you know, like you're in the, in the woods and you see a tree fall, a big mighty tree fall, or you're like driving along and you see a rock slide, like events that are very rare. And I wanted to give the men who go through the process, a rare event, something that um, is unique and only they'll have ever experienced. Nobody else in time will ever go through this organization of an, uh, an event. And uh, I love that kind of poetry. And um, oh, wow. the second thing is, is we did use video from it in the dark night of our soul, the doc. And um, I just didn't want it to look at all salesy. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah, that yeah. kind of dude. So anyways, though, we've evolved it. We've evolved it now into what we call the art of adversity. And the art of adversity oh, okay. um, is where people can check it out, artofadversity.com. And this is going to be a two-part. They can do either event. Uh, one we're calling uh, for now Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. That's the light event. Now, don't let the name confuse you. Uh, it does not mean easy. And then the other one is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll circle back to it. The I, I other one is <laughs> Dadair Noctum, and that is Surrender to the Night. That's the shadow side. Um, one of them is going to be uh, more love-based plunging into your shadows and blind spots and adversity. And the other one is going to be much more fear-based um, approach to your shadows and blind spots. And they're both designed to um, bring out more of yourself. They'll, they'll have the essence of the process in them. Uh, but we yeah. just, uh, we took out also the quit function. That's the biggest thing. So lessons learned, uh, we could make it so people, all people get through a very challenging event. You know, there's, there's little things we can do. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things we can do to help them quit, but, uh, on the like on from yeah. the, this side of it, there's a lot of things we can help them get through. So if people are interested, they can check out theartofadversity.com and head down those rabbit holes for these events. Okay. Well, I, I just I, like I commend you for this is probably where you know I, a lot of the theme or what I pick up from from, from your character work as well as this 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 discipline and and it seems like there's a discipline there in in the sense of like most people would take something like the special forces experience and and from what i've heard again seems incredibly successful and, and has been transformational for a lot of people and just blow that out expand it all of this stuff like that is the that is the that is the project and, and i think it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of probably connection to your why like how you opened up this conversation to say no you know this is it's it's 
it's we've gotten to, gotten it to a place where we're we're happy with this and we're going to spin something else up now and and like you said provide you know i guess that 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 respect and honor the people that have gone through the experience and i just think that's such a beautiful thing beautiful noble thing that's not the norm these days oh i i appreciate that mark um yeah i i like words you probably heard me say like honor and warrior and noble i i you know these words have actual value <laughs> you know they, if yeah. you understand them they're, they're very powerful and and so i really appreciate hearing that it, it's also about the the epoch the time frame we're in right now where um the world's a changing and yeah you know we know that we can have even better programs to help work with people you know a two-way street of course uh, i learned so much yeah um i i've been really yeah. blessed with the special force experiences meet amazing people amazing yeah that that uh, i learned from you know secretly that was always a, a bit of it too when i like i didn't get into it too much but when i left the sf it was like oh man where are the people i resonate with you know where are the, the, the people with discipline the caliber this culture they understand things differently you know um mm -hmm. so to surround myself by them with them as well you know, so it's been yeah. very rewarding for me. But yeah, well, it's part it, of your integration. It, it, oh yeah, exactly. As I deconditioned myself and you know became a civilian again, what did that mean for me? What does that look like? And uh, that, that's a very important point that uh, most soldiers um, forget. They they get out and they're like, "Well, I want the world to be a, for me," and it's like. Well, the version of you that was really great at being a soldier isn't really great here. And it's like, I don't blame the vet so much. I do think that our, our government could do a much better job of deconditioning. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very important point and uh, uh, interesting you picked up on that. Well, I think that what you just said, though, the deconditioning, I mean, it's there's elements of that in terms of the work that you're doing right now, which this, again, this whole idea of like, the decompression periods and the value and, and the fact that we all have some sort of level of, of trauma. Obviously, those levels uh, vary depending on uh, your circumstances. But what I really enjoyed, and I'd love for you to give a little taste to the listeners of, of the doc that you're working on, is that it, it just, you guys are approaching this from a different perspective and, and even language. Like, I, I really have not I, I and like and I live and breathe the, the world of mental fitness and and performance and you know mental resilience and stuff like that and uh, never really came across the the terminology you know post traumatic growth. So how like how did that project come to be and, and what is that project for for all of you involved? Yeah, well, I guess I'll back up a little bit. So when we were starting the process, the Special Forces experience, uh, I was approached by a few production houses and they wanted to turn it into a show. And um, I was like, nah, nah. And I know what kind of show they wanted to do. You know, they wanted to do like uh, clickbaity garbage and just noise, you know? And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, now maybe my, 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 my own ego got in the way there. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. It started the conversation of, well, what do we got here? What are we looking at? And we were out one night. It was a late night. The guys were doing a, a long ruck march. And I was following them. It was like 12 at night or whatever. And I was like, maybe we should do a documentary. You know, and it just started this this seed. We chatted about it, you know, laughed a little. And um, yeah, I have to mention, I've never done anything in film. I, I am trained in the military to, you know, use camera for like reconnaissance and whatnot uh but you know i, I yeah, never yeah. worked in film and i'm, I'm not a, i'm not really all that aesthetic and whatnot and um so my myself jess and luke which are the primary three working on it uh we were sitting in the truck and we we're chatting and we kind of liked the idea but then we had to figure out well what is it we want to show right and we'd already used the term post-traumatic growth as the backbone of the process of what we want to do and we started to realize, oh my God, this has like a ton of potential in the in the world. And, and you know, we started like, why don't we know more about this? Why is PTSD so rampant? Um, and there's some interesting things that come up there because PTSD and PTG, post-traumatic growth, those terms were roughly, um, you know, released in the 90s around the same time. You know, there were terms, they were both terms. One was applied to how people gain wisdom and the other one was is like, you know, the opposite people getting locked up in a stress disorder and okay. not pulling out of that into their evolution. 
That's interesting. One just happens to pay the bills more. One fits our old medical system paradigm much better than the one for healthy people. You know, if you, my insurance company does not reward me for being healthy. Shocking. Yep. Um, You know, uh, the government does not give me any rewards for being healthy. You know, all the rewards are for being sick. Uh, my doctor is rewarded if I'm sick. My And I, this isn't like a finger wag. My psychologist, my therapist, all these people are rewarded if I'm sick, not if I'm well. So you can imagine the ecosystem that creates. Um, but as we step back and we learned more, Mark, and we started, um, we, we took a very inductive approach to the dark night of our soul. And we were like, okay, we're going to start with this exploring post-traumatic growth. And what does that look like? And what is it? What is growth? What is consciousness? What is all the, you know, these are nebulous terms, you know, that are not fully defined at all. Um, but as we followed the funnel down and we pulled at the threads, we realized, oh my God, at the root of every single issue we have as a species is what we kind of just call tra- trauma, unresolved issues and patterns that we play out. And what they do is they disconnect us from ourselves. They disconnect us from the environment around us and from other people. And Mm -hmm. that turmoil, we create uh, non-serving outcomes. You know, Uh, we're we're destroying our oceans. We're destroying our rainforest. They're all a byproduct of ill-serving human psychology. Now, this is, again, we're not, we're an optimistic crew. So here comes the hopeful side of it. It's like, well, if we resolve the issues that underlie these problems, the problems will start to slowly go away. You know, we've caught our, what happens is our systems are built out of our own psychic pillars, out of our psychology. And then what happens though, is those systems keep our psychology from evolving. They're not really made to switch. You know, we call it red tape, government bureaucracy, law. These are very hard to change, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, some of them, good thing they're hard to change. And then, but most of them, it's like, well, we're evolving as a species. What worked for Plato and Aristotle 2000 years ago as democracy and those concepts, even though most of them were way more ahead of what our politicians are now when it comes to democracy. Um, what I'm getting at is those are old paradigms and it's time to evolve them. Yeah. Well, we just need to ask the questions. We've stopped asking questions and getting to any, any, you can name almost any big life bucket or topics, nutrition, health, all of them. We, we very rarely come past level one, level two, and get to any of the root causes of this stuff. And it's, it's, that's where I feel like any of the, even the practices we've been talking about and uh, the work that you're doing just naturally boosts our self-awareness and slows us down a little bit to just think, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. ask those questions. And then all of a sudden, oh, there is another path. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the real, the secret to it. You know, um, Eden, um, Shambhala, Atlantis, they're not buildings. They're not necessarily forests with fruit to pluck. They're, they're, the, they're the state of mind. They're, they're, they're he- heaven on earth. They're... they're um, they're, they're a, a men, mental state that we can exist in much more than we do. Now, that doesn't, I'm not talking about utopia. Uh, I'm the ultimate guy. I sell stress for a living, you know, because I believe in it. It's just right <laughs> now, we live in the age of fear. You turn on the news, it's about fear, you know? Yeah. Uh, every day you go to work, you go to work for out of survival needs. Survival needs, if not met, means you're in a fear state. And then we have this yeah. thing called augmented survival as humans because we have this beautiful neocortex where even if your survival needs are met, you're not enough. You don't look good enough. You know, you don't travel enough. You're, you're not smart enough. And it's like now it's even worse because you have like so many people at the touch of your fingers that, to compare yourself with. And it's, it's, got, it's getting, well, you know, it's viral <laughs> um, because mm-hmm. fear is yeah. a virus. We saw that during COVID. It spreads like this, yeah, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, we're meant to, right? We're, we're in, we're in essence tribe animals. So we're supposed to see fear quickly. Um, and we just didn't have any leadership that was strong enough to be like, Hey, I know, I know an idea. Um, here, just to like kind of give an idea of what I mean when I'm saying that is, um, there's this guy, Dr. David Hawkins, he's passed away, but he, he developed what's called the Hawkins scale. And there's a scale of consciousness. 
And if we think of consciousness as the ability to handle feedback loops, so right now you're listening to my voice, we're looking at each other, but you know, there's proprioception and balance things are, our bodies are, I mean, we're trillions of cells all talking together, all these kind of quantum feedback loops. Um, Rock has less than me and you, you know, a bird has less than me and you, a bear has less than me and you, but it also turns out that human beings, some have more and some have less. And um, most people operate out of what he calls the force level fear. That means movement without awareness, uh, shame, guilt, apathy, you know, those kinds of things because their survival okay. needs are not met. They feel inadequate. What I'm talking about when I say leadership is not strong enough, you eventually move into a power state. You're able to handle more feedback loops and stay fully conscious and make bigger, uh, healthier, long-term decisions. You know, think Gandhi, Jesus, Buddha, um, all of, all the great uh, Martin Luther King, and and there's yeah. women as well. I apologize to the ladies. I, I am a man, so I don't study women as much. But uh, equally, if not more, you know, same with the ladies. Yeah. And when we start making decisions out of that, we that's that's why post traumatic growth is so great because it's this. Um, it's right now. It's I don't. It's not conversationally, and I don't want to say it's the roadmap as if like it's the solid tool that's going to take us into the future. But it's a great start. It incorporates breath work. It incorporates um, physiology, psychology, spirituality, beliefs, values, faith. It incorporates your shadows. It, 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 it takes a whole look at how do I actually expand my consciousness. So on his scale, it goes from zero to a thousand. Most people operate in around the two fifties or whatnot, and it's exponential. So each leap is like a bigger, bigger leap, and it's harder. You know, it's hard. That's 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 where we come into yeah. Herculean labors, where our shoulders are tested. Um, because becoming your next self, um, it, it's just not given to us, you know, anyhow, that, that's where we yeah. can start to, to make some better decisions, but we can also, you know, you've mentioned about terms. We start reframing words like trauma instead of it being a word that locks us up. Like it is unfortunate that people are traumatized, you know, sexual, um, abuse victims, anything like that. But this is how we start breaking the cycle. So if you are the the abused person, if we can find a way for you to help break that cycle and then stop those patterns, um, we'll also do that with the people who are abusing people. You know, it's a bit by bit. Yeah. It's, a, it's an education. Um, yeah. Yeah. Step by step. I just, I pulled up that levels of, of consciousness, that diagram. It's, so it seems like while many of us are in this kind of victim abuser consciousness level of the, the lower levels. And it sounds like a lot of the work that you're doing is, is helping people move into that self-empowerment and then of course, self-realization, right. And, and just getting, getting past or taking the steps to get to, to reframe and unpack and, and understand what's going on and then provide the tools to, to help along the journey. Exactly. Um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You said victim. If you find, and I say you, not as in you necessarily, Mark, but you as yeah, a person, yeah, yeah. And, and it's this works for me too. If I find myself pointing my finger very aggressively and saying, oh, it's that, it's that, um, usually there's three fingers pointed back at me and I have to look at myself in the equation because the, the only, like, we, I talked about violence a little earlier. I learned something. The only time it is appropriate to slay someone is to slay yourself. And most people mm-hmm. don't do that right now. They want the world to adapt to them. You know, they, they feel disrespected yeah. when they haven't even begun to earn respect. And the idea is the more you want to be respected, go to work on yourself. It, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Cause it's like this, like just be selfish to be selfless, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it kind of seems like, huh. You know, people, it, we like to focus we don't, fo- we focus on ourselves, but we also don't focus on ourselves in the right way. Lots of times, you know, it's changing. Now people are learning to take care of themselves more to honor their boundaries more. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. Victim. If you find yourself blaming or even worse, you might be the tyrant. You might be the villain. Uh, you might be reactively putting your anger, your, your, your shadow patterns out onto the world. Um, but t- to be a hero, um, to use the the model you might have up in front of you is you, you have to be courageous to live from your heart, mm. to live from your soul, to really find out who you are, not the version your parents conditioned, not the version that your epigenetics sit on and not the version that your DNA 
wants to manifest. Because see, this is the thing with trauma. A lot of people don't think they carry trauma, but wound into our DNA is traumatic patterns from our environment. You know, they, it's that's where shame and, uh, you know, um, greed and jealousy and envy, it's wound into our DNA. But we have yeah. this gift as humans. Prometheus gave us the torch and said, here, I think you guys can do this. Uh, no wonder Zeus was a little mad. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, I think we're doing a pretty good job. But if we really take it deliberately, and and I don't mean like live life serious all the time, because play is part of this. You know, fun is part of this. Celebration is part of this. Positive language is all part of this. Um, but yeah, if you appropriate your own development, um, I think magic's going to happen. I, I, could you imagine, Mark, if you know, 2000 years in the history books, they look back and they're like, this, this was the generation that decided to not be selfish and decided we'd be giants if we decided to like collectively get together and do this thing called life together on purpose. It, it would be, you know, everybody wants uh, legacy oh, and yeah. whatnot. And th that would be the most amazing thing ever. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, I, and I hope, I hope you and the team are, are giving yourself some self-love because you're, you're, you know, you're part of that that transition. In my opinion, having seen at least thirty minutes, a thirty minute version of of the of the documentary, um, it's just beautifully done. And it's to me, it's it's another one of those conversations that allow for uh, exponential value and the ripple effect of of putting out work like that and putting you know a lot of really um, great people together and a lot of passion. Uh, all in one room and, and and letting it work some magic. So I would love to ask though, as a, as I want to respect your time, I know we've, we've run a bit over here and I apologize for that, but what, what do you hope people get out of, out of the uh, watching or experiencing uh, the dark night of the soul? Hmm. You know, we are love. We are presence. We are one beautiful organism that seems separated. So if people can feel a little more connected, not, you mm -hmm. know, to themselves and to others, that would be a great step. Um, because when we feel that we already naturally start to do things in a more positive quote unquote way. Um, I, I would love that. I would love for people to, you know, this is a, this is chess, not checkers, right? It's inches. You know, so if yeah. it can do that even a little bit for people, I would love that. Just a little bit more um, hope, but then also realize, oh yeah, this is, I'm a, it's pretty miraculous I'm here, you know? So let's do this a little bit more intentionally. Um, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, and I, I, I feel that as, as someone that's in this space with you as well with it, you know, often can feel alone as well. It's, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. And I mean, I left feeling really refreshed and energized. And I mean, hence even just, you know, the fact we've continued on in the conversation and here we are having this one. And I'm sure this is the first of, of, of many. I mean, I'm, I, for one, I'm really grateful for, for you and, and everyone surrounding you in this project. And, and, you know, for just, you being you and taking the time to understand like, you know, like, like how we open this conversation, you know, what am I and, and being true to how you're answering that and, and, you know, getting up each day and, and putting in some work and meeting people and, and getting this message out there because again, the ripple effect and, and what's possible uh, in, and it's already happening, but just there's, there's so much possibility and, ex and I think excitement on, on the horizon. If we, you know, collaborate and stick together and, and work as, Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful humans together and, and, and evolve, right? Just, I think it's just evolve. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that, Mark. Um, I really do. Um, I could keep going and going and going. Um, but, uh, I also yeah. value your time and yeah, I, I definitely look forward to chatting more with you, uh, down the road. Yeah. What do we need to know about the doc? Where, uh, this should be releasing around uh, August, I believe. So around that time frame, which, which we know, I'll, I'll make sure to put some links to wherever uh, people can find information. But what would you like to share? Well, uh, first, it's October uh, is when we're looking to have it done. Okay. Um, but people can head over to posttraumaticgrowth.film, posttraumaticgrowth.film, and they can see the trailer. And 
um, get a taste of what's what it's going to be. And then, yeah, uh, like I said, film festivals and um, hopefully streamers. But uh, right now, uh, things are on the up and up, as you and I were discussing kind of behind the scenes. That uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, yeah, October will be when people yeah. can start looking. But posttraumaticgrowth.film, and, and we'll have links and updates there. And then also um, artofadversity.com is also a good place to look at it because uh, Art of Adversity is going to include a 12... Uh, 12 week or 12 month course. It's one in the same. It's designed to be done over 12 months. That's meant to follow up with the doc. It's meant to help give people more tangible tools on how to pursue mm, growth. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I can't wait. Um, can't wait for October. Can't wait to see how the journey unfolds and um, just sending a bunch of love and support and great energy to you and the team. And uh, until next time, brother, thanks, Jeff, for coming on. Yeah, pleasure was mine, Mark. 